Good evening, everybody. It is Wednesday, April 19th. We are going to be talking about a bunch of stuff. We're going to be starting off with the Women's Golf Regional for the NCAA. It was canceled. We're going to talk about why it was canceled. We're going to discuss the NBA Hall of Fame 2020 and 2021. Uh, the inductions for 2020 were most recently with Kobe being Bryant being the headliner. Surprise, surprise. We got to talk about the Nets. We got NBA playoffs and more. And we had our first GOAT alert. So we'll be talking about that. The Wire starts now. Stay tuned. Welcome to The Wire. Beautifully said, Richie. I am so happy to see you fellas again. We got a lot to talk about, but real quick, how's everybody doing? Good. Good, man. Great, man. Good. Ready to go. Ready to go. Let's get it. Let's get it started. We are going to start with golf. I thought this was pretty interesting. Um, So the NCAA canceled the Women's Golf Regional Championship this past weekend after the uh, Baton Rouge course did receive seven inches of rain over several days. Now, many coaches have expressed serious frustration to analysts this week. Um, Coaches and players were told the day before the tourney that um, measures were being taken to prepare the course for play, Um, but many coaches and players decided to take a look for themselves, only to find that there was no maintenance crew um, out working on the course. There were no pumps running, no measures being taken at all. So the coaches and players were then informed on game day that the course would be playable, but not championship playable, and the event was canceled. Uh, So first things first, what do you fellas make of this? Should the girls been able to play? Let's start with Marvin. Uh, No, they shouldn't have been able to play. Uh, The conditions were just too harsh. I mean, the play, I mean, under you know those kind of conditions, being that wet outside, uh, I mean, I mean, I felt like the right decision was made, even if they have to move it to another date. But you know, you don't if you are heavily invested in a tournament, you know, and having these teams really travel to this you know destined location to contend for a championship, you want the conditions to be a level playing field. So it wasn't that day. So I felt like I made the right decision. Tahi, what do you think, man? Yeah, I, I think uh, exactly what uh, Marvin said is exactly right. Like, if the, it sounds like the field were, were going to be like n- non-playable anyway. So I don't understand the big gripe. No, it just feel, it feels like no matter what you do, you know what I'm saying. It, you get all that rain, it's going to be unplayable anyway. So. Just don't waste the time getting a a, a, a grounds crew to to try to make sure it's good for for play. You know what I'm saying? There's it's too much rain. Nothing you can do. I mean, uh, you know, and and I will say they did have Richie. They had a couple of days of, of decent weather, 
and no efforts were made you know it, it seemed like at all to get the place the play uh, course ready to play but they did say it was playable just not championship playable yeah well and that's that's kind of the thing so so here, there's two sides of the coin for the girls think of it this way guys all year they've been waiting to do this i'm not gonna go with the anecdote all oh, they waited their whole life not going there the point is is that the top six seeded teams out of 18 and the top three individuals that weren't in those schools advanced to nationals and everyone else doesn't get to play so obviously if you're you know one of those athletes you're pissed regardless but for the integrity of the sport i'm actually with the other guys i i worked on a golf course since i was 12 years old now yes you can work maintenance and you can try to pump the water but the bottom line is standing water in a bunker i don't care if you had 30 people trying to do that you're not going to clear the whole course so um you know what they what you really have to think about at this point is then is do you postpone and not cancel right do you take it to another area of course now clearly they, they, this has been a tradition for the 20 years and that's why i didn't want to do that but i'm i'm more surprised that there wasn't the cancel like there wasn't a postponement quite frankly um but i, I don't know the timelines in terms of like the the nationals so that could be why so I, I i know this isn't the result the athletes wanted but again as somebody who worked on a golf course you don't like seven inches of rain and things like that that's not something you can really fix and you don't just try to shoehorn and shove people within an eight hour window 18 teams in an eight hour window they're not going to play that's not going to you might get half the teams and then you're still in the same thing who gets to go who doesn't get to go who got to play who didn't get to play so i don't feel like there's a great answer i think the problem was there's a lack of communication by the committee which is why you're having these people so distraught so at the end of the day, this is a loss for everybody. I don't think anybody won out of this. And it's unfortunate, but I mean, I, I still stand with the idea that the course was not going to be quality golf. Like everybody would have played poorly because you can't play in sloppy grass like that. It's, you won't succeed. And then you don't know who the, it, it's kind of like playing, you know, basketball with one arm, you know? Yeah, sure. You can feel the team and you guys can play each other, but you don't know who really would have won. And I, I think that's why the committee was like, we're not doing this. Something to consider too, and I don't want to linger here too long, but I'll let you rebuttal if you like. Just to your point, that it was it was it was just flat out canceled. We saw that with the football games too, and we've been seeing it in baseball. I mean, NCAA is is just pretty much canceling when they need to, uh, whether it be COVID, whether it be weather, and not not rescheduling. Do you think that's going to continue to trend? Uh. Um, I mean, the way it's going, sure. I mean, you know, again, if I'm a student athlete, I'd probably be upset. But at the end of the day, you know, this is a little different than the COVID stuff. But, you know, it is what it is. What can you do? You know, that, that's, how, that's how golf works. Golf is an outdoor sport. It, this is part of it. You know, I understand for them, they feel they got robbed. But this is what is golf, right? If golf, if the course is unplayable, it's unplayable. And, you know, to them, the committee, they felt it was unplayable. And again, like we're talking about, this is kind of like that, like a football player who like is injured and they want to play in the Super Bowl and they're going to be like, no, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. Yeah, you can do it, but you ain't going to play the way you would normally play. And that, that's the committee trying to make this more respectable. Right. And you, you're going to add like eight to ten, you know, points on a on a scorecard if if the weather's that bad or sorry if the grass is that wet at the end of the day if it's that wet that's gonna happen 
So I, I think they just wanted to not make it, you know, we wanted to see good golf. Not that these women aren't good, but nobody's good in that kind of course. So I, I get it. It's Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's move on to something I'm, I'm pretty excited to talk about. I'm excited for a lot of our topics today, especially uh, to address the goat alert that we had. But the, <laughs> the LA Lakers, um, we'll, we'll start here. They waited to raise the 2020 na- National Championship banner until this past week uh, because they wanted to do it with fans in the building. Uh, it was a beautiful moment. LeBron spoke to the fans in attendance uh, prior to raising the banner, and he capped his speech with, and I wanted I wanted to bring this up specifically, the road to back-to-back begins in a week. Um, so let's, let's take a look at the Lakers. As it stands right now, the Lakers... Richie's worst nightmare will face the Warriors in the first round of the play-in tournament in a, in a series, right? So the loser of that series will then have to play the winner of the Grizzlies and Spurs to determine the final team to get into the playoffs. So first things first, before we go any further, I want to know who do you think is going to have to play that loser's bracket against the winner of the Grizzlies and Spurs? And we're back at Richie to go back the other way. Yep. All right, we're going to race soda. Um, simple as this. It's going to be the Warriors playing the loser. Like, they're not going to win. Like, the Lakers are going to win for sure. Um, and I stand by that. Uh, you know, Steph Curry had a phenomenal last game. I think 42 or 45 points. But here's what uh, spoiler alert. In the last eight years, Steph Curry's played against the Lakers. He's averaged 20.2 points per game. It is what it is. That's not an anomaly. That's just statistic. Um, do I still think like he's balling better than he's ever played in his entire life? Absolutely. I'm not going to say he's going to drop a, a goose egg 20. He'll probably score 32 plus points, but he's not going to be able to single-handedly win them the game. Um, right now, the way Steph Curry's playing, it reminds me of James Harden last year with the Rockets and the year before. He just has a bunch of scrubs around him. It is what it is. Now, you know, Wiggins is, is solid, 18 and a half points, but for, you know, a $28 million contract, not worth it. Um, Lakers are going to win. Uh, I, I also think the... I'm more excited about the... I think the Grizzlies are going to be kind of the, the more fun team to watch. So I'm looking forward to it. But uh, I don't I don't see the Warriors beating the Lakers in the one game plan. <laughs> All right, Sahi, you're up, man. What do you think? Who's going to the loser's bracket? Who's going to the loser's bracket? Ooh, I see a plan like this. The Warriors win. Uh, um, and then uh, I don't know who cares who wins the other who who wins the other game. You know what I'm saying? Who's playing the the Spurs and the, the Grizzlies? The Grizzlies, yeah. Great, great job for making it, guys. Yeah, great job for making it. But uh, this is the end of the regular season, basically for y'all. You got one of you teams just ha- happened to get an extra two games. So, um, so whatever, the, those those teams are not going to do anything. But I think it's the Lakers are going to get the eighth seed and the Warriors are going to get the seven. That's how I think it's going to play out. What about you, Marvin? Who do you think is going to, between the Lakers and the Warriors, who do you think is going to have to play the loser's bracket for that eighth seed? Our Warriors have to play the losers for that eight bracket. I mean, I'll tell you why. I mean, they're not my worst nightmare. 
I mean, because Steph Curry, I agree with you, playing, you know, lights out basketball, probably the best basketball of his entire career, you know, and is deserving of the MVP. But when you look at how they played, how the Lakers have played the Warriors this season, they have actually, like Richie said, have statistically have kept him <laughs> at a low point. He hasn't gone off against the Lakers. And that's simply because, you know, once you shut down Steph outside of that, where are the other guys going to give you? I mean, Draymond's first team all defense, but is he guarding Anthony Davis? I don't think so. Is he going to guard Andre Drummond? No. They have no James Wiseman. They have no Kelly Oubre. Are you going to depend on Andrew Wiggins to take you there? Nah. You're going to depend on who else? I can't even name anyone else on their roster minus Kent Bazemore, if that really says a lot. So I think that the Lakers are in a good, are in a good spot getting healthy. LeBron um, seems to be playing be, seems to be playing a lot better than what he did was when he first injured the ankle and he re-aggravated. Uh, he had a little tweak the other night, but Frank Vogel said he's good to go. But it's actually looking, you know, for me, it's it's scary for the Warriors right now. I mean, you're you're riding the momentum of one guy, and you're going to have to depend on that. The Lakers are one of the top defensive teams in the league when healthy. So when you shut down Steph outside of that, I mean, I don't know if they're going to give you. They're heading to the loser's bracket. Hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, so that being said, um, we'll combine these two questions because it was kind of resounding in that direction, except for with Sahi sticking out there. Um, first off, and, and you can answer both of these, Marvin, we're going to go reverse order. So I'm coming right back to you. In the Warriors-Lakers matchup, which player is more dangerous per game? Is it LeBron James or Steph Curry? And which team needs the win more for momentum's sake? Which, and I see Richie's sick. And he knows he's going last, but go, go ahead, Marvin. I'm biasly, I have biasly, I just have to say the most dangerous player in this equation is Steph Curry. Cause I mean, he's the greatest shooter ever. You have to give him his props credit where credit's due. Uh, but you got the, you still, in my opinion, going up against the, the greatest player in the world, which is LeBron James. So I think that in a, a series, LeBron has the edge over Steph Curry, you know, because like I said, there is no Clem Thompson. There is no James Wiseman. There is no Kelly Oubre. Andre Iguodala is not walking through that door anytime soon. And Draymond is <laughs> Draymond. I mean, they got to suffer the consequences of paying them that fat ass contract that I bet they regretted because they had him sign in the off season. But uh, nah, I, I think that Steph Curry individually most dangerous compared, in, you know, in this in this equation. But I still have to give it to the best player in the world that can actually make everybody on the team excel. Now, before you answer which team needs it the most, and we'll, we'll move it on, I do have to say we have our second GOAT alert. <laughs> uh, and there was it was a twofer, so I just need to see if you guys can dispute this, and if so, we'll, we'll go to next week with it. He called Steph Curry the greatest shooter of all time. That's hard to dispute. Can anybody dispute it? I mean, we could have a discussion, but it ain't worth it. <laughs> Not worth so it. So let's Any, pass on that one. And LeBron James. I mean, goat I already said he's a great <laughs> You said what now? He said LeBron yeah. James greatest basketball yeah. player of all time. Oh no, no. I will. Curry. Well, I'll dispute that next 
tweet. Let's do okay. that. Yeah, I'm yeah, we'll just, uh, All right. We're I won't dispute it. I'll dispute that. Let's do it. All right. So we'll, we'll do that. All right. Richie's so, not going to let me get away I, yeah, with that. Yeah, we'll let you get away with that. <laughs> so, Marvin, we'll go back into the swing of things. Your other question was, uh, which of these teams needs to win more for momentum? The Lakers need to win more for momentum. They're the reigning defending NBA champions. If this is, if, let me, let me break it down to y'all. If LeBron James beats Steph Curry in this plan and goes through this Western Conference, having to beat the Suns or having to beat the Clippers, whoever else he's got to go through, because this is even tougher than it was last year, and then faces the Nets in the NBA Finals and beats the Nets, uh, I might have to have a, we might have to have a, another discussion on another episode of The Wire debating Richie on who I think is the GOAT after that, after, if that, if that does happen. But I think the Lakers need it more than the Warriors right now. I'm going to be Warriors aren't playing for nothing. They're playing for Clay Thompson's health next year. You know, they're just playing for fun. Steph is playing for fun. He's playing mad because he's, they've been blown out by 60 or 50 plus points more than five times this season. So that's got to piss a man off. I already know that. But Lakers need it more. Sahi, it's a two-parter. Um, Who's more dangerous per game, LeBron James or Steph Curry, and which team needs this win more for momentum? Um, who's dang, more dangerous per game? I'm going to go with that. Especially when you're talking about like a playoff atmosphere, I'm going to go with LeBron James. He's been to the finals, what? Every time, other than one time in the last decade. <laughs> Like, he's always in the final, so you need a guy like that. That's You know what you're going to get out of a guy like that. Steph Curry, he could be streaky, you know what I'm saying? It's either he's on or he's off. But he's on more than he's off, but a guy that's more dangerous, give me LeBron, because he could do it all. And he does it each and every night. Like, that consistency of just doing it all the time will just... It's just dangerous. That's why he's LeBron. That's why he's considered one of the greatest players to ever play the game. Uh, but uh, your second question, who needs it more? For momentum. Um, I don't know. For momentum's sake, um, I don't think there, there's any momentum either way in these playoff games going to swing either way. Um, I just think don't see the Lakers missing the playoffs, so I don't think they see themselves missing the playoffs, so they just need to get there. I don't think that they're going to, even if they win, it's not going to be a momentum. Like, Bill, they're like, oh, we're going into the playoffs with some momentum. They've kind of been limping in and all the teams playing in the play-in tournament, which is I don't know. It's kind of ridiculous, but it's kind of exciting. So it's just like this new thing. So I don't. I don't think there's going to be like a momentum like from winning these. You know what I'm saying? So uh, um, I just see the Warriors and the Lakers both making the play. Is, is that even possible for both of them to make? Yeah. It? Yeah. One can, one can yeah. win okay, the, okay. the losers bracket for they. The they can both. They can both. Okay, yeah, yeah. So that's what I see happening anyway. So and I feel like both of those teams know that because the Grizzlies and the Spurs, come on, man. <laughs> come on. No, well, it may, sorry, no if the Warriors meet up with the Lakers, that might be a clean sweep. 
he talking about for the for the Lakers. If that's the play. If that's the playoffs, I think that could be a clean sweep. Yeah, barring any th- barring any injuries on any I think, side. Yeah, I think the Lakers can <laughs> sweep damn near every team in the in the Western side because you know the, the Jazz they're down. Um, yeah, the Phoenix Suns are probably the only team that can steal a game, in my opinion. Um, the Nuggets, uh, don't they have injury issues? Yeah, no Jamal Murray. No, yeah, Jamal yeah, Murray. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's huge. So that 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 that's huge. You know what I'm saying? And they're one of the top teams. And and the Clippers, they just ain't got it. Yeah, Clay just ain't got it. This playoff is going to be pandemic P all over again. I think another pandemic is coming. <laughs> right. All right, Rich, Rich has been waiting wait, super no. patiently. No vaccine for pandemic P. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to give the man the floor. Richie, uh, who's more dangerous per game, Steph Curry, LeBron James, and which team needs this win for momentum's sake? I mean, I'm glad Marvin said it for color, but the the answer is LeBron James. Um, let, let's keep it real here. Steph Curry. Um, here's what I'll say about him: best shooter of all time. Play, this is easily his best season of all time by a mile, and the man's on fire. But the bottom line is this: he averages 26.8 points per game. He has never been exceptional in the playoffs because that's what we're talking about, guys. When I think of what we're, this question is, this isn't who's going to score the most in a single game. No, no, this is this is playoff. Like you, you got to draft Steph Curry or LeBron James for one game to win a championship. Who you draft in? And I don't think many people are going to be like Steph Curry. That's just not going to happen. LeBron averages twenty eight point nine, two two point seven more, give or take. Uh, more importantly, he's scored over fifty points in a playoff game. Believe it or not, Steph Curry is not. His highest is forty seven. And again, the man has doesn't average anywhere near thirty. Um, I will say this, like I said, greatest shooter of all time, best season he's ever played. But the bottom line is, if I'm gonna take him, he's playing LeBron James. Like if Steph Curry's playing Dame Lillard, okay, I take Steph. I take Steph against anybody but like KD or LeBron, because the reality is Steph can only do one thing: score. And this is this isn't just when we talk about danger and like it's not just scoring; it's their impact on the game. And Steph, don't get me wrong. Steph, when he has talent around him, is a magnet. People have to follow him, and his teammates can get open. But Marvin already talked about it. He doesn't have any teammates. Well, that's what we're talking about right now. So it's no contest. Now, maybe like a year from now, Clay's back. We have a different conversation. Then there is that Steph could arguably be as dangerous, but he's got nobody to support him. And he's, you know, maybe, and I still don't even think that, maybe on his best day, He'll outscore LeBron in a game, like in a one-on-one. But that's never happened so far in the playoffs. And I don't see that happening this upcoming game. So to me, absolutely LeBron James. Uh, I love LeBron James. And I'm not a Steph Curry hater. But to me, this is just not a fair thing. You know, unless we're going, he's going to score more points in a vacuum in one game. Then sure, maybe. But even then, I'd never count out King James, man. He's had 17 seasons. 17 seasons where he's averaged 25 points per game. Michael Jordan has 10, okay? Just to clarify. Now, he has a higher points per game than Braun by a mile, but 17 consecutive seasons, the man has averaged 25 points per game. And it's not his priority. We all can agree on that. If he wanted to score more, especially in his younger years, he could have easily done that. So, no, 
what is there to say? The man's consistent. I know if it's one game, him versus the universe, he's going to score 40 points. Like, that's what he's going to do. And I can't say the same for Steph. He scored over 40 points twice in his entire career in the playoffs. So. All right. All right. And do you, do you want to answer the, the momentum? Or are you ready to just keep keep checking on? Uh, I mean, in, to me, it's kind of obsolete. The Warriors aren't playing for anything. So I'm going to say, why not? The momentum's for them. Because either way... <laughs> All right. All right. We're, we're sticking with basketball uh, to lead in the break. There's, there's, I, I apologize for you folks that are waiting for more football talk. We'll get there, but it's playoff season for, for NBA. So basketball is what you're getting. Um, we, we do have boxing coming up in the second half. So hang on to your shorts. With James Harden potentially returning soon, hopefully, right? For, for uh, many folks' sake. Um, fellas, I, I just want to know. This is a question that's been brewing in my mind. Which piece do you feel is the most essential to the New York Nets? Okay. Is it Kyrie Irving? Is it James Harden? Or is it Kevin Durant? And I want you to explain yourself, starting with Richie. Ooh, this is a tough one. Um, damn, man. Okay, assuming they're all healthy and playing together. That's the assumption. Um, which doesn't happen very I mean, often. Which only has happened like seven games total or 11, maybe. Here's here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to do a cop-out, but I will have a an definitive answer. Obviously, Katie's your consistency. Kyrie is your closer and your, cl- your most clutch guy. Like, we just talked about Steph Curry. I'd rather have Kyrie in that late-game moment than, than Curry. But to me, the answer is James Harden. And the reason why I say that is they were looking very shaky before James got there. And yes, I know all three haven't played together, but since James got there, they, they went up, they were at one point tied for first and you know, now they're down to second. Um, and James is playing prolific. He's led the league in assists at 10.4 while still averaging like 26 points per game. Um, I think we were all talking about, the you know, there's not gonna be enough balls for these guys. That was one of the things we joked about, we joked about, we joked about. And what we've seen is James Harden take a step back and be the playmaker and not try to sit there and do what he was doing, the James Harden show. Now, Kyrie's been doing a lot, but James has really taken it upon himself to be a true point guard, even though he you know, moved over to shooting guard a few years ago. So to me, he's made the biggest sacrifice while still impacting the team very, very positively. Whereas KD and Kyrie are just doing the same thing they've always done. James Harden, let, let's not forget guys, he's two years removed from averaging 36 points per game. And he dropped down 10 points so he can make sure he raises assists up and led the league, right? So to me, I think this is James Harden. The, he turned the ship around. They were not winning very much. They were fifth, I think, when they got him. And they moved up to, you know, again, up to first, now to second. Um, I just think they're more cohesive. And um, he also finds a way to not let Kyrie take 30 shots and gets, you know, Kevin some more shots. So I'm going to go with James Harden. All right. Sahi, the question was, who is most essential to the New York Nets? Is it Kyrie Irving, James Harden, or Kevin Durant? And explain yourself. Well, if Kevin Durant's not there, then the Brooklyn Nets, they're a shit show. He's, he's, he's the glue. He's, he's the most essential. Um, Kyrie Irving is like, half in, half out on basketball. He's like 
like playing for the Brooklyn Nets is his part-time job. I mean, he come in and he does a great job in his role and he's able to do the things that he's able to do. And he's able to be one foot, one foot out because of Kevin Durant. Um, James Harden is uh, able to be a, a great point guard and facilitate and get a lot of one-on-ones because Kevin Durant, you know what I'm saying? Um, uh, granted, they all haven't played out on the field or the court at the same time or blah, blah, blah. So these guys are extremely talented on their own. But for them to reach the pinnacle of where they want to go, the reason why they brought this team together in the first place, they need that man, Kevin Durant. He's the most essential. Because without him, they don't have championship aspirations. And they're just another team trying to knock off LeBron, which they are just another team, even with Kevin Durant's bit I mean, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But he's the most essential for sure. Okay. All right. So we're moving on to Marvin. I saw, I thought Richie was steaming there for a second, but <laughs> we'll move on. Oh, no, no, no. It's just my, my shaved face makes me look angry, apparently. No, no, no. no <laughs> All right, Marvin, uh, in case you forgot, the question uh, was, who is most essential to the Nets? Is it Irving, Harden, or Durant? And explain yourself, please. I'm going to say Kyrie Irving. Um, Kyrie, because Kyrie recently just joined the 40-50-90 club. And that alone in itself just shows you why he's one of the top point guards in the game. Well, two guards in the game because he's playing the two spot on the team. And you got James Harden playing the one, you know, averaging over eight assists eight assists a game when he's been playing. Um, but I think that with, without Kyrie Irving, uh, you know, James Harden and Kevin Durant complement each other well. You know, we've seen this in Oklahoma City. But outside of that, you 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 just have two scores. You know, you'd have to have James Harden distribute the ball to, you know, you you need a perennial, you need a third perennial score. Like you have KD, you got James Harden, you got two of the most explosive explosive offensive threats in the game. But I think Kyrie really holds it together because KD, KD and James Harden. They've gone stretches where they can't make shots. You know, you you have to have, you know, Kyrie Irving, you know, on this team, because I feel like when he is playing, when he is focused on basketball, he's giving you everything down the stretch that you need in clutch moments in the fourth quarter. I mean, minus the you know the few games they've had recently where they've struggled with some turnovers, but if you just take him out of the equation, James Harden and uh, Kevin Durant, they don't go far in the postseason. I mean, I know I just mentioned Oklahoma City, but this is this is not Oklahoma City times. This is still the East. This has got more competitive. You know, you've got, you know, the Heat, you've got the Bucks, you know, you've got uh, you know, you've got a lot of teams that could that could, you know, make a run at them if they didn't have Kyrie. So I feel like Kyrie holds that holds everything together alongside you know, KD's the leader, but you have to have, you know, you you have to have Kyrie Irving. Imagine if he actually cared about basketball, Marv, his entire career, to Sahi's point. 
Well, this is the NBA. This is not CNN. You know, they interviewed him the other day talking about what he doesn't want to talk about. I'm like, all right, man, you know, you know, on 2K, I don't know if y'all play 2K, but it should say on his player's badge, player can have erratic behavior. Yeah. I was looking for that the other day, so he couldn't find it. I was like, man, it says that next to KD's name. <laughs> For real, <laughs> yeah. Like, he does. That's why they like each other. That's why they all play. Right. That's why they're all playing on the same team. It's a bunch of misfits. It's three misfits, yeah. but they like, but they are misfitting it, making it work. I mean, yeah. Very obscure big three. <laughs> he, he has been a little distracted. All right, so so we're gonna move into our quick take segment. We'll do a quick take. Uh, this is where you guys have 60 seconds to respond. Then we're going to go to the break. And we're going to, when we come back, we're going to talk goat uh, boxer of all time because that got called out on last week's goat alert. Um, and then we've got some more NBA. But before we go, I want to bring up uh, once again the another team in New York. Since we're talking about New York, we can't not talk about the New York Knicks who, in my opinion, have kind of been the Balboa story of the 2021 season, right? Um, They will be playing the Atlanta Hawks in the first round of the playoffs. um, And it looks like they're going to finish the regular season at the number four seed in the East. Now, much love to New York, Marvin, aside. (laughs) um, let's, Let's be real here. Do we think the Knicks can, one, win this series? And if they do, how far can they go? I definitely think they can win this series. I think they match up well against the Hawks. I mean, you you look at the Hawks, and then you have they got Trey Young, they got a nice young you know core. But I think what Atlanta's missing is what they gave up. They gave up Rajon Rondo, which would have been huge in their first round you know postseason appearance in a while. But I think that them going up against the new this New York Knicks team is reminiscent of that '90s toughness, grit and grind. New York basketball that people miss seeing. This team rep- represents that. So I think that when, you know, them going into this matchup, Julius Randle is a force to be reckoned with. I mean, the dude averaged a triple double the other day. And he's been doing, he's been playing like a superstar all season. I think that going into next year, we can finally say that Julius Randle is, is crossed over into that superstar conversation. And I feel like this is the po- you know this is the moment where he can really earn his stripes. It's the postseason. It's the first round. This is New York. I mean, that I think that first game is it the first two games going to be played in New York. I believe so. Yeah. Oh, they're going to blow the roof off. They're going to they're going to blow the roof off the place. So Atlanta's not ready. So I think that <laughs> the New York Knicks, the you know they're they they got one of the best coaches in the game, and I think that. As for as, as good as they've been all season, it's probably going to end in the second round. You know, they don't have enough. They don't have that guy yet. Julius Randle was great, but they, they don't have, though, that one guy or they need two more guys, and they are championship contenders. If they can pry, I know I'm going sideways, if they can pry Damian Lillard from Portland in the offseason or add somebody, they are... They are right where they are right there. They are right where they need to be. It's hard. It's hard to stop him when he when he's so good. But Marvin went a little bit over. We're on the sixty second take. Sahi.
who do you first of all do you think that the Knicks can take on the Hawks do you think they can win this series um, and if so how far can they go in this playoffs um, they could definitely beat the Hawks for sure um, it just depends on if they can slow down uh, what's his name Trey Young uh, the little the shooter dude the dude that could put up as many points as possible uh, <laughs> he's a little young Steph, Steph Curry um, but, uh, yeah, for sure. Um, but after that, as long as, long as they don't play the, the Bucks, the Heat, or the Sixers, or the Nets, <laughs> <laughs> which they can't avoid, <laughs> yeah, they're ending in the second round. <laughs> All right. Richie, same question. Do you think they can beat the Hawks and win that series? And do you think they'll go any further? Um, I think they will beat the Hawks. The Hawks are, you know, they have Bogdan Bogdanovich, and they're 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 a very they're like the Nets. I'm going to call them the Nets light, in that they score a lot of points, but they give up even more. <laughs> so um, I just think Randall's playing at another level, and um, I just I think he's going to dominate, and I think that's going to be the difference. Do you Can think they go ends? past that? No, no, yeah. it ends. It's a one and done. This Cinderella <laughs> story is Hawks, and then like Sahi's point. It doesn't matter who they play. They can't beat anybody else. Cinderella's going on a quick date. That's <laughs> right. You're getting a little taste in New York. Well, oh, it's exciting. Wham, New York Thank you, man. <laughs> right. It's a quickie. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly some excitement uh, in, your, in your city, Marvin, between the two. Oh, yeah. So, looking forward to it. All right, guys. Don't go anywhere. We got more wire coming right at you after this. Uh, Marvin, which which game are you gonna try to get to? Like a Nets game or a Knicks game or neither? <laughs> man, I'm gonna go to Madison Square Garden, man. It's right down the street. <laughs> so uh, listen, man, I've been living in Manhattan for a little while now. I did live in Brooklyn for a year, so I still got love for my Brooklyn folks out there. But I'm, I'm torn, man. I'm torn. I- All right. Uh, so this is Gary Forty Three. He says, I feel like Justin is the reason this country has to put directions on shampoo. Do you even know what you're talking about, bro? <laughs> no, I don't, Gary. <laughs> fucking 43. I have no idea. I don't even use shampoo. I just use one three-in-one body wash, you bastard. All right, this is from Karen45. How do you feel about being ranked sexiest man on your podcast? When Tony looks like a barbecued Hermit the Frog. Jesus Christ. Oh, Wait a oh second. Why? That sounds like a Tony rip. Why is Marvin? That's a Tony wow. rip. Is that towards me? Wow. Does Christy think having a child on her lap makes her seem more likable? Also, get some sleep. You look tired. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> Thanks, Breezy. I'm trying. Adam says, I see ratings must have been down. They recruited someone interesting. (laughs) Wow. Oh, Oh, I mean, thank you, Adam. (laughs) Ashley says, I watch the show a lot and I was wondering, are you all changing the name to RT2M? Richie talks too much. I don't know what to say, Ashley, other than 
I feel like I talk exactly as much as I should. So <laughs> fuck you. Yes. Oh boy. Margaret says, is it me or when Tony talks, do you get the feeling he's constipated? Yeah. <laughs> What? That face right there doesn't really help you. <laughs> Welcome back to The Wire. It is time, folks, to go over our first goat alert. And I had this really cool animation. I have to say this as a producer. I had this really cool animation planned for last week, and it didn't even happen. So it's going to go on when Marvin had his goat alert earlier, and you'll remember that from the first half. Anyway, we're going to talk about the, the best boxer of all time. Now, I'm staying out of it because I'm the moderator. I'm going to Richie, this is how we're going to do it. You last week set off the goat alert by saying Floyd Money Mayweather is the greatest boxer of all time. I want you to uh, briefly, sir, please state your case. And then these two gentlemen are ready to rebut. Floyd. Okay. So to clarify, one thing I said on the wire in season one was that Muhammad Ali is the goat and the greatest of all time and Muhammad Ali is the only man that has graced my apartment I, I bought a $500 beautiful portrait of him having said that Floyd Mayweather Jr. is the goat of boxing we're not talking about favorites we're talking about who is the best and I'm just gonna go with the Michael Jordan quote man right he he say he's 6-0 and right that's what all he ever says 6-0 and six rings well all i gotta say is undefeated my friends undefeated it's not about because it's the same thing with the steph curry thing i'm gonna get just say this real quickly people hate james harden even though they score similarly they hate him and it's because he just drives to the line makes it you know the ref calls a foul that didn't happen and he gets free throws and he ends up scoring as much as steph curry but at the end of the day it doesn't matter if you knock somebody out or if you never got hit if your hand gets raised, you won the fight. And the bottom line is he's the greatest, bar none, defensive boxer of all time. And that sh should not be held against him because his style is boring, all right? He's never lost a fight. People try to talk about ducking. And so I'm gonna say this, every boxer you've ever loved basically ducks somebody. Uh, for instance, Sugar Ray Leonard, um, easily a go. Uh, I wouldn't say he's top five, but probably top 10. Uh, only, <laughs> hell, only lost to Roberto Handstone Duran, another guy you could say is good. Now, Sugar Ray actually avoided a guy named Aaron Pryor from Cincinnati, uh, who would have been the GOAT if he didn't get on trucks. He avoided him twice. Aaron Pryor lost one fight, but it was he was on drugs, and it was when he was 38 years old. So in his prime, never lost a fight, went 39-0 and 0 with 36 KOs. Sugar Ray Leonard ducked him, okay? Because the argument is always Floyd Mayweather ducked Manny Pacquiao. And that's not true, all right? And it's the same thing that's going on right now if you watch boxing right now. We got a situation and the gentleman's name is Bob Arum. He's a boxing promoter. And what was happening is Bob Arum was trying to get a 50-50 split of money for Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather. And Floyd Mayweather said, wait a second, I'm my own promoter. People pay to see me. Like people like Pacquiao, but it's 60-40. I am the headline, not Pacquiao. And because Aram wouldn't go 60-40 and he wanted 50-50, Floyd said, pardon my language, fuck it. And he said, I, you know, I'm not doing that. I, I would rather make, you know, $30 million more 
fighting anybody else than have this legacy fight. And I don't blame him for it. The dude cares about money and there's nothing wrong with that. And he all, he's undefeated for a reason. And it's because nobody could touch the man. He's won in five divisions, all right? He's not just a one weight guy. And the only other guy we can talk about is the Hawk, like I was talking about, and Roberto Duran. You know, uh, to me, what signifies a truly great technical fighter MMA, boxing, whatever, is the ability to move up and wait and not just stay in one spot. Because, you know, when you're when you're the predator and you just apex predator and you plow through a division and there's nothing left, should you not try to take on a new challenge? And that's exactly what Floyd Mayweather did. And that's exactly, now don't get me wrong, for a heavyweight, you only got one spot. There's no, <laughs> you can't really go down. You're not gonna go down. You're not gonna lose like 40 pounds. But for the most part, you can, you generally go upward. And that's kind of the idea. So Floyd Mayweather increased the difficulty in his fights over his career, defeated many, many amazing fighters and made it look easy. And that's not his fault. Like, you know, Zab Judah is the only guy who even hit him. You know, like the only guy who even hit him, you know, and everyone is all mad about Oscar De La Hoya and Hatton and Marquez and Sugar Shane, Manny Pacquiao. I can go down the list. This man has fought everybody who was ever in front of him and was ever considered good at his time. Now, Manny, we can argue, was a little past his prime. But outside of that fight, he's fought everyone in their prime and he's dominated. There's never been, he has never had a split decision win, okay? He's won convincingly. This dude, just because he's not knocking people out does not mean he wasn't dominant. And again, I'm just gonna say this one last time, undefeated, man, 50 and 0, 50 and 0. Money Mayweather worth $750 million. I love when a man says, I don't need a promoter. I'm going to show you why I'm the best and I'll deal with it. And that's exactly why this man is the GOAT. Not because he's a promoter, but because he knows I control my destiny and I will fight who and when I want to fight. Floyd, for sure, best technical boxer of all time, undefeated. It's hard to go against undefeated. And he said he's going to kill the, the Paul brothers. <laughs> okay, who wants to rebut yes. this first? Uh, uh, and, and you got to give me a new fighter for greatest of all the time. That's that's the rebut here. Who wants to go first? Want it? Go ahead, Sahih. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Floyd, Floyd, Floyd. Floyd, Floyd, Floyd. <laughs> 50 and 0. I pick my own fights. I get all the money so I can say I'm 50 and 0 and I'm the best ever. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool and all. But when you think of fighting and who's the greatest of all time, you want you want to think of somebody that gets in that ring, looks at another man dead in the eye, cocks back and just knocks the piss right out of him and that guy goes to sleep. That's what you want to see when you think of boxing. Now, who do you think about when you think of that? Iron Mike Tyson, the greatest of all time. He was knocking people out left and right. Left and right. And he would have got Roy Jones too, but Roy Jones was running. He knew, like, I can't stand Who wants to fight Mike Tyson? You want to fight Mike Tyson? Nope. Because you might die. And nobody, <laughs> nobody wants that, you know what I'm saying? 
I'd fight uh, Floyd Mayweather for a check. You fight him too. Anybody will fight Floyd. Nah, not Mike Tyson. Even till especially, especially Mike Tyson in his prime, he probably would have knocked my, my, he would have knocked them all out. Nobody's standing the chance against Mike in his prime. The only reason why he lost to Buster Douglas is because he was he was partying too much, too much of the uh, the booger candy. You know what I'm saying? Uh, too much drinking, too much of the women. He was full of himself. He was the greatest of all time. Mike Tyson, man. I Boy, Sahih, what'd you say? <laughs> Something about he lost to Buster Douglas? No. Come on, man. He lost man. to Buster Douglas. He lost he to was, Buster Douglas. Nobody you thought lose? he was gonna nobody thought he was gonna lose to Buster Douglas. He barely trained. That's exactly Buster my Douglas point, Sahih. He got lucky. The greatest of all time doesn't takes their craft seriously at all time. Mike Tyson didn't. I agree with you. If he would have took his career more seriously, he would have been the GOAT. He would have been. I think he would have been, but he didn't take it serious. It's that simple. That's why he lost five times. He should have lost zero times. There's nobody that could have fought with him if he actually like yeah. thought about it, but he wasn't in it. Marvin, can you can you contest Floyd as the greatest of all time when it comes to boxing? Still, after hearing his point, yeah, man. I mean, I gotta pay my respects and pay my homage to who I think is the greatest boxer of all time. Now, nothing against Floyd. I know he's got the record. It's pretty hard to argue with fifty and zero. It is. It's really hard to argue with that. It's hard to argue with Iron Mike. Like I said. Nobody ever, I felt like, dominated boxing the way that he did. But when you talk about those two boxers fall underneath the umbrella, and at the top of that umbrella is Muhammad Ali. <laughs> Muhammad Ali, to me, is the greatest boxer of all time, most inspiring boxer of all time. Like Zahi said, you want a boxer that gets in there and that's going to fight? Well, Muhammad Ali got in there, talked smack before he did it, and backed it up. And that's where I think you got, you know, you know the we, you know, we see the floor, we see Floyd Mayweather, his flamboyant personality. Not saying that, you know, he, he, you know, got that from Muhammad Ali, but I think that that stems from Muhammad Ali. I don't think any great boxer, and even studied Muhammad Ali, didn't take something from him or like something from how he behaved, you know, before fights or like his interviews or just how his his cockiness, his swagger. Like just how he carried himself. I think that like that birthed like this era of like overconfident boxers. <laughs> you know, like you got Deontay Wilder, you know. Now Deontay Wilder got knocked out by uh what was his name? Uh, Tyson Fury. <laughs> but but you look at but you just look at their style there. Yeah. <laughs> you look at their style. You look at their style and you look at these boxers' attitudes, like Floyd Mayweather, the way they carried themselves. I think that all stems from Muhammad Ali. So it's like Michael Jordan. There wouldn't Kobe Bryant wouldn't have been as as great or wouldn't have chased his greatness like he said himself. If there had not been a Michael Jordan, you know, like Mike, he said in the Last Dance, this is because this is similar. He said there would be no me if there was no Mike. So I think there wouldn't be a Floyd or a, or a, a Mike Tyson. If it wasn't for Muhammad Ali, uh, paving we're the gonna, way. We're gonna do this because I I would love to let you guys go at this forever. I, I love hearing you guys talk boxing and and martial arts. We've done that before. 
Tony Ray, we are calling you out from the wire. We tagged you in this episode. Glad you're checking us out. We miss you here on the show, but we need you to come back to the show or at least on the H2G podcast or something. Tell us who convinced you, who's the GOAT boxer, because you did that for us before with the UFC, and I think you did a great job. So you got to tell us out of those three. Go ahead, Richie. I want a 10-second rebuttal, because obviously Muhammad Ali <laughs> is hard to argue against. I Give me 10 seconds. Just 10 seconds. Like Sahih <laughs> said with Mike Tyson, and like Marv was saying with Muhammad Ali, they fought a long time, they beat a lot of people, but there's one thing that's consistent with them. At the end of their careers, they lost. Just saying. <laughs> In their prime, <laughs> Muhammad Ali or Mike Tyson? Mike Tyson's knocking Muhammad Ali oh, clean. Boy, oh, he, he crazy. He crazy. All right. Clean Stop now. Mute him. Guaranteed. You're tired. He's blasting me. Marvin, I'm glad. I'm glad you brought. I'm glad you brought up. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you brought up Kobe Bryant uh, because the man was inducted into the NBA Hall of Fame with the class of 2020 and 2021 being inducted together. Um, the award accepted by his wife, Vanessa Bryant. She gave a truly beautiful and motivating speech. Um, I, I do have some questions for you guys about the, the Hall of Fame, but first, does anybody have anything they'd like to say about Vanessa Bryant's speech or the or Kobe's induction? Well, I'm not gonna say anything in particular other than it was beautiful, like what yeah. he just said. Um, yeah. You know, it's... Uh, you could tell Vanessa really didn't want to be there. You know, like it was very emotional for her. And so, you know, kudos to her. Um, I can't imagine, you know, how monumentally, you know, that that's, that's Kobe. That's what he wanted, man. You know, he wanted to be enshrined with the greatest. Uh, and, you know, to me, I put Kobe like number 10 on my top 10 of all time. Kobe Bryant was spectacular. Um, this Hall of Fame class is, is one of if not, you know, the best class, uh, you know, the weak link being Kevin Garnett is a pretty strong class. If you ask me, right. Uh, you know, cause Tim Duncan is, I, I got to mention this man, like people forget about the big fundamental. I have him at number six all time. Like a lot of people forget about how amazing Kobe and Tim were. Both of them were combined 15 time, all NBA players. I believe Kobe was 11 time first. And I think four, um, second. And then um, Tim was 10 first, three second, two um, third string. And then he was no 10 first time uh, all defense and then five second. The The man was a three time MVP, two time, or sorry, two time MVP, three time finals MVP, I think. And they both won five championships. And Kobe Bean Bryant has two finals MVPs as well and one MVP as well. Uh, what two-time scoring title champ i mean both of them are amazing amazing dominant players and uh you know marvin's mentioned about it a lot i'm sure he'll love to talk about kobe more than i'm going to uh you know what i when i consider kobe is like what marvin said about like muhammad with all generations like kobe took michael's stuff basically and still made his own game out of it right like you know he stole his shit, and he said it a million times <laughs> But like he made his own game and his own legacy. Um, and uh, the thing that's most underrated is what I was going back to 11 time first, like all NBA defense, right? Now people talk about like Draymond Green and all these guys and all the, you know, Draymond Green has five first NBA 
defense. Kobe Bryant has 11, right? Kobe was a fantastic defensive player, and that doesn't get talked about, right? Just like Michael Jordan was a great defensive player, Kobe Bryant was an amazing defensive player. Um, this, this is this is probably other than like Jordan's because that was also an insane class. Um, this could be the best Hall of Fame class, man. I was super excited to see these three being the 2020 class. Uh, phenomenal. Loved it. Loved it, man. Um, the, like the epitome of, of all of them. Kevin Garnett is a top 10 and number nine in rebounds and number eight in blocks all time. Uh, when he won his MVP, he led the league in points, rebounds, assists, and blocks. Like these guys are the some of the best basketball players of all time. Uh, KG certainly not nearly on the same pantheon as the other two, but nonetheless, um, it was a beautiful speech by her. Uh, I, I'm so glad posthumously Kobe got in and you know got to headline because regardless of like what you want to rank people, you know, I'm I'm so glad they let Vanessa go on like that. Um, it was beautiful. I loved it, man. Does anybody else have any uh, words on the the Hall of Fame induction itself? It was a great ceremony. Um, everyone that was inducted was well deserving of it. Um, can't enough, you know, can't enough can't be said about uh, what you know with Vanessa Bryant. You know what? You know, it said during um, the ceremony, I mean, like Richie saying, it was a very emotional moment for, you know, time for her, it still is. And for her to, you know, bravely get up on that stage and uh, show, share her fondest memories of the world, the, the world that got the experience, Kobe, um, you know, it, it was it was beautiful. And uh, Kevin Garnett, you know, uh, I've been watching Kevin Garnett as a kid, you know, and he, I think that he's one of the most intense, you know, players of all time. And it's just well-deserving. But for for the entire class, I, I like where the NBA Hall of Fame is going. I don't think this has been said, but I like that it's becoming more diverse. This is something we we haven't seen. More women are getting inducted and more and more people are knowing about it. Like, it's not something that's only being said on the internet or something you got to look up. Like, this is actually, they're being inducted along with the men the way it should have the way it should have been and the way i hope it continues to be and so I, the nba is going in the right direction absolutely well um let's let's talk about it and and before we get into some, uh, another another uh we'll do this a quick take um i do want to say so looking at the scope of today's nba all right um, this is a two-parter. We'll go back around. Uh, Sahi, we'll start with you because you didn't weigh in on that last one. Um, looking at the scope of the NBA as it is now, one, which players would you say have adopted the Mamba mentality? And B, if you could give a Kobe award to someone this season, who would it be? Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of his, his just out of reach. I'm trying to think of his name from uh, Miami. Um, who's it? Who's, uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler. Jim, Jimmy Butler is Mamba, Mamba mentality for sure. Um, just to what he did last year in the bubble and his team's right back in it. Uh, and you look at their squad and they don't have a bunch of uh, – uh, uh, superstar players, but 
their their superstar is a superstar because he he doesn't do um, anything like spectacular, amazing, but he does everything like you know what I'm saying efficiently and good and works super hard. Um, I'd have to give it to Jimmy Butler if I'd have to give an award for it. Absolutely, Marvin. We'll, we'll just do that reverse order. So the the two parter is one: which players, if if you have multiple, um, exude that Mamba mentality? And if you had to give one Kobe award to someone this season, who would it be? Um, players, I think that exude that. I'd have to say uh, Jason Tatum, um, Kyrie Irving. Um, I have to say Russell Westbrook uh, for sure. Um, I have to go and actually throw Jimmy Butler on that list. Um, Giannis Antetokounmpo, I would throw him on that list. Um, Mama mentality. I'd have to throw Bron and AD on that list for what they were able to accomplish last year. But I think the number one player that has really adopted the, the Mama mentality I would give the Kobe Award to would be Damian Lillard. I think Damian Lillard has completely embodied that Mamba mentality. He's even said he's he's uh made tribute songs to Kobe. And then one of the one of the lines in his songs was that he said he stared in the eyes of a killer and out of respect he did that at Staples Center. So what he was saying is that, you know, playing Kobe as many times as he did in the Western Conference, him being that young, he respected him on the court and saw what he did, you know, just was it, you know, in awe and admired what he did. And so and Kobe shared that knowledge with Dame. And so you just see that in Dame's, his play, man, he's cold-blooded. He, he, he reminds you, he's, oh, when he hits that clutch jumper and he yells Dame time or the crowd yells Dame time, Dame, Dame is just emotionless. Like he's calm, but he's alert. You can tell like he's got that, you know, that, that side that you know that mamba to him like that silent killer like kind of like steph curry but i think that he's embodied that the most out of anybody uh damian lillard especially in the fourth quarter because i don't think there's you know we you know steph curry is a very intimidating player you know you got to go up and you know you're the opposing team but if you it's the fourth quarter and damian lillard's on the other other team man i don't know like he, I, I think that that's, I think with Dame time, it might, it's like, a, it's like the same thing as Kobe time. Very interesting. I, I, I don't, I'm a moderator, so I don't get to argue, but I would, the only person I would take off of your list is Kyrie Irving. We can talk about it off the air. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, I rebuttal, I mean, I, I'm still throwing him on that list. Cold-blooded, man. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm just going to quit. Like, I'm not going to go through the list. Marvin already had a pretty exhausting good list and I agree um, I'm gonna say Devin Booker I think Devin Booker is a phenom when he was 19 years old he scored 70 points now obviously Mamba scored 81 but having said that you know when I when I think of a guy who just when he when he's hot you just don't there's nothing you can do it's Devin Booker um, I think Jason Tatum most closely resembles Kobe to, to Marvin's point and more statistically from a defensive perspective he's a phenom whereas Devin's not there yet and Devin's three-point line shooting reminds me of Kobe because 
<laughs> if you look at his numbers, it doesn't look too great. But when he in the game, it doesn't feel like it looks like, like he's 36% from the three point line. And Kobe was also not that great of a three point shooter. But I'm telling you, all you ever remember is Kobe, yeah. right? Like that's Going what you remember. Ahead. You don't remember all the shots he yeah. missed, but you remember all the damn one he made. And he'd make them in bursts. And that's what I think of when I think of Devin Booker is this kid, once he gets going, man, you ain't stopping him. And so to me, I would say, I love the Dame pick, but just for the sake of the argument, uh, Dev's another guy that like, when, when he's hot, man, like it's crazy. And, and he's only 24 years old. So um, I'm looking forward to see uh, Devin Booker mature as a player. Well, I think I can speak on behalf of uh, The Wire and probably anybody here at H2G when we say congratulations to the Bryant family, uh, well-deserved over an amazing career. Uh, Kobe still missed and in the hearts of everybody. Um, I don't think anyone would ever argue that Kobe Bryant should be in the NBA Hall of Fame. And I'm not saying that I'm necessarily arguing this next guy, but I'm going to go back to 2011 with some of the comments that have been made by some of the fellows in the room. And I'm looking at another member of the class of, I think, 2021 for the Hall of Fame. And his name is Chris Bosh. <laughs> so, I just wanted to throw around the room here real quick. Does Chris Bosh really deserve the Hall of Fame spot? Uh, we're starting at Richie and working our way back around. Does Chris Bosh deserve the Hall of Fame spot? Let me say this. Yes, I know you want me to say no. I know you want to swerve, but the NBA Hall of Fame is not the NFL. It is not as prestigious. That's just a reality. A lot of players get in. Uh, for instance, uh, his career was shortened drastically. Yao Ming got in, right? And I'm not being denigrating to Yao Ming. I'm not. I think when he was playing outside of Shaquille O'Neal, he was the best center in the league. And then when Shaquille O'Neal kind of went downhill for about four years, Yao Ming was the best center in the league. But should he be in the Hall of Fame with the likes of Hakeem Olajuwon, Will Chamberlain, Bill Russell, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Shaquille O'Neal? Eh, I don't think so, but he's in there. So if Yao Ming's in there, only playing eight seasons and two of them with his foot being completely out and basically only playing six full seasons, then sure, Chris Bosh should be in there. Um, Chris Bosh is a journeyman in the sense of he could have been amazing, but it's kind of what we talked about with James Harden earlier in that he took a sacrifice. You have to remember he was averaging 25.6 points per game when he left to go to Miami. And yes, those dropped down to 18 and a half, but you're talking about it dropped to 18 and a half as if that's a bad number. Uh, also having to not play the way he wanted to play. I think that's a thing that wasn't fair in Miami. Uh, he was a post-up guy. He, he looked like Big Bird, all right? Dude was like 110 pounds, seven foot, all right? He was skinny, but he had a good post-up game and he really used his post-up. But because of the Wade and LeBron could not shoot a lick of a three-pointer, they had to throw him out on the line so they could go for the penetration and they could go for the drives. So he had to become a spot-up three-point shooter and he changed his game to make it work. And as a matter of fact, his three-point shooting drastically went up, um, believe it or not. So I, I think that's what I'm most impressed with when I think of Chris Bosh, is that the dude was a hack at the three-point line. He was 24% three points before he went to Miami. And he got it up to like 34 and a half, which again, doesn't sound good now when you, you got the Steph Currys and the Dame Lillards, but this is 2010, not 2020. 
All right. The, the three point percentages have skyrocketed because people have gotten better at the shot. So the point being is he changed his, his entire play style. He's almost a 20. He's a 29, basically. Right. He's about a 20 points, nine rebound guy. Is that Hall of Fame worthy in the NBA? Yeah, it is. Is he a top 50 player? Hell no. He's not even a top 200 <laughs> Hall of Fame player. But, you know, his body of work and the years he played, um, I absolutely feel, you know, he, he's a part of the Raptor franchise, right? He could talk about Vince Carter, and I'm not disrespecting Vince Sanity, but, you know, he left and there was that sourness. And then they got Chris Bosh, and he was that guy. He was that lone all-star with no talent around him uh, for years. So I think this is more of a, a body of work, Hall of Fame, and not necessarily a dominance of Hall of Fame. Just a really solid, extended, I think, what, 12 or 13 year career in the NBA. And, you know, going 20 and nine, th- that merits it. So, Marvin does, and then there's Bosch. I have a place. In the, I can't believe I said that after all these years in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he, he deserves it. Um, all jokes aside, I never was on board with that joke because I felt like Chris Bosh never got the credit that he deserved when he was with Toronto. People forget how trash that they were, and he was basically the LeBron James of that team, nearly averaging a triple double for the six years that he was there. Um, put you know, and a test of Richie's point, his uh three-point stats being that low, I mean, that's because they didn't need him to do that. <laughs> I mean, they needed him to really get buckets inside because no one else could make Because they couldn't rebound. I mean, you don't want Chris. <laughs> they couldn't rebound. So that's why he's nearly averaging a double-double because nobody else can shoot. <laughs> so he's really got to, you know, he's completely out of rhythm once he's going out there and they're down by 20 or 15. But I think that when he went to Miami, he took a huge step back. And that step back was exactly what the team needed. Now they didn't, they weren't successful in their first finals run. But when you look at the big clutch moments that Chris Bosch was a part of in Miami, those games, those late moment games that that they won because of Chris Bosch, um, especially in those Spurs series, I think that he doesn't get enough credit. But I think that uh, like over a body of his work, when you look at what he did in Toronto and you look at what he did in Miami, the two the two championships. Along with the all-star appearances, I think that it's well des- I think it's well deserving. Sahi, uh, you cool with Chris Bosch in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, but I just feel like it's too soon. Cause like, yeah, that he was putting up numbers in Toronto, but they wasn't making any noise. It wasn't like, oh yeah, we gotta watch out for Toronto and Chris Bosch. He he doing the, you know what I'm saying? He, he leading the charge. Nobody was talking about Chris Bosh. <laughs> Nobody, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, he was the, the most quiet superstar before he went to Miami. He was part of the big three, and, and, and people were like, huh, they got Chris Bosh? Who, who that? Then you look up his stats and you're like, all right, yeah, he all right. Because they didn't really want Chris Bosh at first. They wanted somebody else. I forget who they said it in a documentary. And then, like, as, as like, you know, people got to know Chris Bosch. They're like, oh, yeah, he is good. Yeah, and they're like, you know, you know what I'm saying? He won a couple championships. Let's thrust him into the Hall of Fame, I guess. I mean, does he deserve it? I guess. <laughs> like Richie said, the, the, 
the Hall of Fame and the NBA isn't as prestigious as the NFL. So they try to get there. Carmelo, by the way. They wanted Carmelo. That was yeah, the original. So you, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But Melo, Melo wanted nothing to do with that. He wanted to go to New York. That's that's what, yeah. what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Chris Bosh was just the sloppy seconds. They're like, he good, too. he good, he good, he good. <laughs> they like, dang, like, all right, come on, Bosh. Come on, bro. <laughs> Damn, Sahi. Man, we, we just said a beautiful thing about Kobe Bryant here, Sahi, shitting on Chris Bosh for no reason. <laughs> 13 seasons. The man, it is. It's not easy to average 20 points in the NBA, man. I mean, when you 6'11". There's a lot of 6'11 dudes dudes that didn't score 20 points a game for 14 seasons. (laughs) That's why we love a lot. True. Uh, uh, True. He was the the only guy in Toronto, but let's see. Yo, Tyson Chandler was 7'3 and couldn't average more than 6 points a game. And he had one defensive player in the year, right, man? Come on. Tyson Chandler was my dog. How you gonna yeah. say he your dog and Chris Bosh <laughs> sloppy set? Come on, man. You, you guys ready for some wild card? We're yeah, gonna, wild card. Okay, we, we're gonna cut the other story. We'll talk about it next week. I was gonna bring up the Celtics and, and all that. We'll we'll get into that some other time. It's wild card time, and boys, we, we gotta go back to the WWE. I'm sorry, but some history was made by a name that you all know. I know that not everybody watches every every week or every pay-per-view anymore, um, but the legendary luchador Rey Mysterio at the age of 46 and his son Dominique at the age of 24 defeated Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode to capture the SmackDown Tag Team Championships, becoming the first ever father and son tag team champs. What do you guys have to say about the, the Mysterios? <laughs> I mean, Rey Mysterio Jr. is one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. I have no clue if Dominic is worth a shit, his son. I mean, I've seen him kind of wrestle. He's like 20 years old and, you know, he's not green, but this is more of like a nod, you know, this is basically Rey using his influence to give his son an opportunity, which he does, you know, don't get me wrong. This isn't nepotism. Rey Mysterio Jr. put his body through hell for 30 years in wrestling. I could care less. He's the greatest luchador in American wrestling, not Mexican, but uh, whatever, man. You know, I think it's cool. You know, this reminds me of Ken Griffey and his and his son. That's what this reminds me of. I think this is just a cool moment. Marvin, any, any respect for the Mysterio family? Um... Didn't Dominic get kidnapped by Eddie Guerrero in the story? Yeah, line? Eddie Guerrero. Hey, he was his poppy. <laughs> like over a decade he was ago. his poppy, yeah, remember? Yeah, right? It was probably one of the greatest, to me, one of the greatest storylines in WWE. I love that history. one. Was that? Great storyline. And Dominic being a part of that, I felt like that's when part of that storyline because that was like a storyline of pure jealousy. <laughs> of pure jealousy and just go ahead, Richie. What's up? Oh, I didn't mean to cut you off. It's just the the rumor is they want at some point they want his son to to heal, swerve and go heal and beat up his father and say Eddie no. Guerrero is, is his dad. I'm telling you, I would love to see this. Ain't, this ain't ready to rumble. Funny. This ain't that. Yo, I'm just saying. <laughs> it's the WWE <laughs> man. Anything can happen. Right, man. Anyway, I just think this this is trying to 
make up for lost. Just trying to make up for lost time, man. This really doesn't impress me. This is this is nice, but you know we've seen King Griffey Jr. and his dad play baseball together. You know we've seen um, the Rock. We've seen the Rock. We see the Rock's family now. The Rock's family is working together now. If you listen to um, Roman Reigns, he sounds just like the Rock. He sounds just like The Rock. They, 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 the Usos, they kind of they kind of sound similar. I'm like, man, yeah. I've never thought I would see this. This is like the mini the mini rocks in the ring, but I think it's nice. It may, it's it's a nice touch, but you know, the, uh, I feel like WWE is it's, it's doing everything it can to keep the ship afloat. Well. Uh, we're we're gonna go over to Sahi. I do have to say we got to give Dominique a little respect. He's he's earned enough. I mean, I'm sure we know Rey Mysterio's word goes a long way, but he did have a match with Seth Rollins at SummerSlam. You know, that's a pretty big card for a kid of 24 that doesn't really have a wrestling background or like history. Was other it for the me. WWE Championship? Uh, I cannot no. confirm. I didn't know it was not. It was market. not. <laughs> and Seth Rollins is one of the greatest wrestlers in modern history. So anybody, he could wrestle a fucking potato sack, and it would be an entertaining match. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a, it was a good booking, you know. Anyway, Sahi, what do you? No, think it was a good start. Mysterious. I'm very impressed. Ray Mysterio Jr. is still wrestling. Uh, Forty six years young. Yeah. Yeah, he's been wrestling quite a while, and it's just I'm I'm glad to hear it. Unfortunately, I wasn't tuned in, so I can't really give too much opinion about uh, beyond that. I was watching the UFC this weekend, uh, seeing Michael Chandler get knocked out with a lightweight belt. Um, but um, uh, the, I mean, father son duo championship that's that's awesome. That, that's amazing. Like, Another thing never to been on done before. Right? Never been done before. Like Richie was saying, anything can happen in wrestling, right? Absolutely. It's all anything right. can. All right. Well, this has been The Wire. Thank you guys for dealing with another uh, wrestling topic. I am happy for Ray Mysterio and his son, Dominique. <laughs> we will uh, hopefully hear from Tony Ray on who the GOAT winner is. Make sure you check out the H2G podcast this Friday night. That's at 7 p.m. Eastern. They're warming up to the finale. It's coming real soon. And check us out at h2gpodcast.com, Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, where all podcasts are found, uh, audio podcasts for The Wire this week. Thank you very much. We'll see you next Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You have a good one. You know, I think you guys gave too much shade to the Mysterios. (laughs) Yeah, maybe, maybe so. But you know, I just, I just feel like it's a cute angle that they're just trying to, you know, pitch. That's for the kids, man. You no, know, we just if we're gonna do <laughs> wrestling, we should just have an, an a part of wrestling. And of course, check out all of our content at h2gpodcast.com. Check us out on Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, and where all podcasts are played. Damn it. Uh, this is going to be a loop. Harvard's <laughs> coming in right now. <laughs> I love it, dude.